you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Welcome to 13 Nights of Halloween, a Straight Up Enigma's exclusive mini-series. For 13 days leading up to October 31st, we're bringing you bite-sized, terrifying tales to help satisfy your creepy craving. If you enjoy these short, spooky stories, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps others find our show. Without further ado, let's begin tonight's eerie episode. This actually happened to me a few years back at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. My sophomore year, I roomed with a girl named Kara. She was a jazz vocalist, but her main interest was opera. We had a small room on the sixth floor of a dormitory called Juniper Hall. The walls were thin, and her late-night singing and voice practices would keep me up late. After a month or so of lost sleep, I convinced her to move her late-night practices to the music studios in the Merriam Theater building a block away. Around 8 o'clock one evening, Kara announced that she would be practicing late for an upcoming recital and probably wouldn't be home until around midnight. Great, I thought. That means I can go to bed early. I was beat. I had had a horrible day in acting studio and was ready to pass out as soon as I had dinner. She said goodnight and left, coffee and sheet music in hand. I made some grilled cheese and soup, gobbled it down, and immediately began to prepare for bed. By the time I got out of the shower, my eyelids were so heavy I could hardly brush my teeth. I pulled on my PJs and crawled into the top bunk of our bunk bed. I was out as soon as my head hit the pillow. I should take a second to describe the layout of our apartment. When entering the apartment, the bedroom was through a door immediately to the left. Our bathroom was inside the bedroom, just past the bunk beds. U-Arts is nice in the sense that you don't have to share a bathroom. Anyway, I woke up to the sound of the apartment door closing. I opened my eyes and groggily checked my phone. Midnight on the dot. I rolled back over and closed my eyes. I heard Kara enter the room and stop in front of the bunk bed, checking to see if I'm actually asleep, I thought. She flopped down on the bed below me, which was strange, as she was a stickler for brushing her teeth and washing up before bed. Then again, exams were just around the corner, and we were all exhausted. The mattress below me creaked and then was silent. I couldn't even hear her breathing. I started to drift off again. I was just on the edge of deep sleep when I was startled awake again by a noise. 
a key in the lock, the door opening, and Kara entering our apartment, humming an opera tune. The mattress below me creaked. Our second shocking story is titled, It Started as a Leak, by Ariel Lowe. The rainy season began in early summer, and June had been no exception. It did not surprise the man when he discovered rainwater dripping from his dining room ceiling. Shrugging it off, he placed a tall pot beneath the leak and expected it to stop on its own. However, it continued to rain, and before he knew it, the pot would threaten to overflow. He had to dump the water out first thing in the morning and straight after he returned home from work. Eventually, he began to notice water damage at the source of the leak. The white ceiling had discolored, turning a dull shade of brown. He checked the weather and realized that it would continue to rain sporadically over the next 10 days. The man was worried about the ceiling mildewing and becoming an expensive repair, so he called a local handyman. Unfortunately, the man could not sign to have the repairs done. Only his landlord could. It was a frustrating policy. The man called his landlord but could not reach him. He left him a few voicemails, detailing how the damage was becoming progressively worse. The man was clueless as to why his landlord would not return his calls. They usually kept in touch, speaking at least twice a month. Finally, he reasoned that he would not be held accountable for any damages sustained. One night, the man was startled awake by a massive thump. He quickly turned on his bedside lamp, and just vaguely, he could see an overturned table and a large shape laying across it. He sprinted out of his apartment and called the police, gagging at the smell. The man sat at the police station with a blanket wrapped around his shoulders and a coffee mug resting in his hands. He did know one thing. There had been a dead body in his ceiling, and the water had saturated it so badly that it caved under the weight. So far, the body was unidentifiable due to the rainwater and was being autopsied. While the man waited, he called his landlord and finally reached him, panicking as he explained the situation. His landlord was just as alarmed, and the man pleaded for him to come to the station while he made his statement. The man paused as a detective crossed over to him, and he lowered his phone, wondering if the body had been identified. His blood ran immediately cold and he shook his head with terror. The body belonged to Richard Thompson, his landlord, and he had died over a year ago. 
That's not what disturbed him the most. If his landlord was dead, then who was pretending to be him? Our third and final tale, titled I Sat on the Bus, was written by Isaac Cook. I sat on the bus on my way to school, listening to music and paying little to no attention to the other students. At one of the stops, my mind snapped back to reality. I looked towards the small house. Tommy's house, I thought. A hand slipped through the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver to move on. He's sick, I thought, paying no large amount of attention to the situation. The day flew by. I watched the local news channel after school, and what I heard paralyzed me. Tommy's entire family was murdered that day by an unknown suspect. After hearing this news, I moved back up to my room and quietly fell asleep. The next day, I sat on the bus. We drove past Tommy's house, and the bus driver, unaware of Tommy's family's fate, stopped at his home. As I was about to get up and explain to her what had happened, something caught my eye. A pale hand slipped through the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver to move on. I sat on the bus, terrified. Thank you for listening to tonight's hair-raising tale. Please join us tomorrow for the next shocking short story in our 13 Nights of Halloween miniseries. This episode was produced by me, Jaden McKell. If you'd like to learn more about the sources used in this chilling account, please check our show notes or our website at straightupenigmas.home.blog. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.